Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Failed Critics Triple Bill. This week we're picking our uh, most anticipated films for the winter. I'm Steve Norman, joined by James Diamond. Hello. Jerry McCauley. Hello. And as you'll probably remember from earlier in the week, Owen Hughes is ill and won't be joining us, but we have got his choices. James wants to start us off with something, though. Yeah, um, obviously this is our winter preview, and I just thought it would be quite interesting to go back in time. Uh, to when we were just such a little fledgling podcast. Um, and do you remember when the three of us chose our, that each chose the three films we were most excited about over the, uh, summer? Is this was, in just, a, this was in our pre-Owen days. That's, yeah, exactly. It was, um, it was back in our, back in our lo-fi days. Glory uh, days. We got an extra guitarist in or something like that. Mm. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. Steve, your three choices, uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Brilliant film. The Dictator. <laughs> All right. And Men in Black 3. Not seen it. <laughs> now, I've seen all three of those. <laughs> and I'll be honest, Steve, meh, it's probably the best. To be fair, Steve, he, he was trying to pick the ones that we hadn't picked. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and to be fair, the title, I, I know the reason you chose Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter is purely because of the title, and it is still a great title. If you're going to title a film that, everyone's going to go and see it. So, I mean... Exactly. I also, and, and I hope the dictator would have been better than it was as well. So I, I'm not going to be too harsh on you there, to be fair, Steve. But how, how did you, you didn't even see Men in Black 3 no. after all that? No, I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> um, Jerry's was uh, The Bourne Legacy, The Amazing Spider-Man, and Jeff Who Lives at Home. Yeah, two out of three of them I liked. Oh, not bad. I love I love Jeff who lives at home, so I thought that was an excellent choice. The other two uh, kind of bored me, I'll be honest. Um, uh, see, I didn't even see the Spider-Man film in the end, but uh, <laughs> I, one. I seem to be the only one who liked the Bourne film. So, uh, <laughs> I think Owen did quite like it as well. Well, yeah. I, I thought it was good. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I, stand, I, I stand by that. Jeff who lives yeah. at excellent. I think too many people didn't go and see that, so pick that up on DVD. What did, yes, what did the world-renowned critic James Diamond think then? <laughs> well, okay, well, one of mine was Looper, so we're still waiting to find out about that. Um, Lawless was another one of my choices, which I, I'm, I'm quite happy with. It's not as good as I wanted it to be, um, but I thought it was pretty decent. And Iron Sky was the other one. As everyone knows, Iron Sky is definitely one of the best films that was out this year. Oh, and neither of you to have seen it, so you no, can't I've seen Iron Sky. 
I know you did, didn't you, Steve? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you quite liked it, didn't you? I, I'm, I'm reserving judgment until I find out what the director actually made it for, whether it is actually a, a serious film or a parody. If it's a parody, <laughs> it's brilliant. If it's if it's a serious film, then it's terrible. <laughs> and I'm waiting to hear what he's got to say about that. Okay. But yeah, so this week we're doing something similar and by weird stroke of fortune, Owen's not here again. Yeah. Stroke uh, of fortune? That's a bit... Bit much. Yeah, God, that sounds terrible. I mean, I, ag- I agree, but I wouldn't say it. Um, but we have got Owen's choices with us yes. today. Um, before we get on to Jerry's choices, say no one's picked The Hobbit. I've picked it. I didn't pick it because I thought someone else would. Um, other people didn't pick it for various other reasons. It's Probably out. Tactically. It's out. We'll see it. It will probably be quite good. Um, although dragged over three films. So that's our little thing on The Hobbit. Jerry's got yeah. to shoot off, so what did you pick? Okay, I'll do them in sort of chronological order. First one I picked is, is the sort of, I think it's the week after Skyfall comes out, actually, so it's right at the start of our criteria. New Paul Thomas Anderson film, written and directed by the great man himself, The Master, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I absolutely adore, and Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams. And I'm glad you picked it. I'm, I'm really glad you picked it because it was on my list, but I wanted to pick something else in the end. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's got such great buzz already. Um, it's been out in America for for a while, I think. Actually, it's, yeah, it's been out. What's a, what's a it about then, Jerry? For those of those people who aren't maybe completely au okay fait with it. Okay, um, as far as I understand it, it's kind of trying to explain Scientology, but without actually saying anything about Scientology to piss them off. So. It's kind of like, yeah, we're talking about Scientology, but not Scientology, because we can't possibly use that name and make it obvious. Uh, basically, uh, a vet returns from the Second World War, seen all kinds of things, and he's very charismatic, very clever, and he creates um, a not-religious but faith-based organisation, which is a thinly-veiled <laughs> reference to Scientology. Is it called, um, is it called Scientism? <laughs> I, I don't, know, don't know that part, but... You know, the fact that the, the, the studio synopsis uses the phrase faith-based organisation rather than religion. Yeah. Um, and he becomes known as the master, as the title would suggest. Um, and it's about the relationship between him and his sort of right-hand man who starts to question um, the nature of the thing after he's, you know, he's the number one believer, he's the firm believer, and suddenly he starts questioning it as it as it gains in power and popularity and, and people start getting really into it he, he starts questioning it and asking it um and one of the things i love about this that i've heard i mean i mean phoenix is apparently brilliant in this as is philip seymour hoffman both of them won awards at venice for this they had to share the award yeah. um the thing i love most about this that i read about is that paul thomas anderson decided uh, to edit this film he was going to actually get a pair of scissors and get his editor to cut the film rather than wow. using modern editing suites. So it's it's all shot in seventy millimeter and stuff. So if you can manage to get it sh- uh, shown in seventy mil, I don't think you're going to be able to manage many cinemas that that wow. shot in seventy millimeter film. But it, it's you know it's Paul Thomas Anderson, who is fantastic. I think one of the best actors, uh, actors, directors. I'm, I'm turning to James now. Yeah, <laughs> one of the best directors operating at the moment. Um, he's written this as well, and obviously. The last thing he wrote was "There Will Be Blood," so it's, it's it's bound to be good. It has to be good, surely. He's not made a misstep yet, has he? Um, yeah, it, oh, 
it's one of the big favourites for a lot of Oscar uh, nominations and things like that. And also, it broke the record for per cinema um, takings um, two weekends ago. It took because it was released in America on a limited number of screens. It took one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars per cinema over a weekend which is just yeah. unbelievable. Three quarters, just under three quarters for, of five screens. So. Yeah, for an independent cinema, uh, for an independent film, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, it, uh, we're, it's going to be our main review the week that it's out, uh, and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that as well. Okay, next one. Um, this is one that I'm sort of I'm, I'm interested in that I hope that it turns out right, but I'm also a bit worried about it. Uh, it's directed by Ang Lee, um, based on a novel by Jan Martel, mm-hmm. which is Life of Pi, which is one of my favourite novels um, that I've ever read. I absolutely love the book. I adore it. And I'm sort of excited but really worried at the same time that it's going to be horrible and really make a mess of such brilliant source material. And I think it's, it's got a lot of problems in making the, the slightly allegorical um, content of the book translating that to screen is going to be very difficult um, for those who haven't read it um, you know it's a best selling novel go out and buy it it's just fantastic um, there's a young lad called Pipertel he's an Indian um, son of son of a zookeeper and they live in a little city in India and they decide to move to Canada and they go over with the animals. They move a lot of their animals from the zoo on a big ship and they go along with them and the ship is shipwrecked and Pi finds himself alone um, on a little lifeboat um, drifting through the Pacific Ocean, and he's accompanied by a zebra, initially at least, a zebra, a hyena, an orangutan, and a massive Bengal tiger who is called Richard Parker, bizarrely. Um, and it's about their sort of journey through this shipwrecked, um, post-shipwreck journey, and it's, it's time at sea. Um it's a fantastic book, but I'm quite worried. I mean, Angley's done a lot of stuff. You know, he's done mm. he's done quite a variety of things as well. You know, he did Hulk, which I didn't really like. Yeah. He's done really sort of serious stuff like Brokeback Mountain. He's done Crouching Tiger, which was sort of dramatic and over the top. I don't remember him. I mean, his last couple of films have been a bit under the radar and not very good. So I'm quite worried that he's going to really make a mess of this. It's quite um, interesting. I've picked this film as well. You only just realised you'd picked this. No, I was, I was waiting for I was waiting for Jerry to sort of talk about it a bit before I jumped in and jumped uh, all over what he had to say. Have you read the book, Ben? I've Steve? not read the book, but I just saw the the, the sort of subject matter the tiger, for the film. You, Steve, you saw there was a tiger. <laughs> you thought it looked good. So there was a tiger called Richard Parker. <laughs> I just thought it sounded like a good fun. The, the you know note I made it sounded like a fun adventure film. I think that's one of the things that I'm worried about is that it will just be reduced to a fun adventure film. But I can't really go into this without spoiling the book. Mm. Or and I think especially I'll be really interested if you haven't read the novel when you watch this film, you are really interested to see how you sort of interpret it and what you make what, of it compared to what, sort of me going in with preconceptions. I think that's gonna be really interesting what, actually. What is the novel like then? Is it like an adventure film or, you know, an adventure novel or is it take on another kind of it's kind of a sort of, uh, I don't want it to sound too pretentious, it's a bit of a spiritual journey for the main character, really. 
through this shipwreck and time at sea. Um, I, I can't really go into it anymore without sort of giving stuff away. So I don't want to spoil it for people because if, if, if it lives up to what the book is, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic film. Mm. So um, what, you know, if they given it a prospective rating yet or anything like um, that? Or... Not that I know of. It's not out until just before Christmas, I don't think. So this first week, well, the, I think it's Monday the 3rd of December is the premiere. So I'm guessing it'll be with you know, that week that it's released. Mm. Mm, I, I think there's there's various ways that you could go with this, I think, is, is my trouble with it. Is, is there's a lot of ways you could take this. There's a lot of interpretations that you could, you could do. Um, there's a new trailer come out, like, you know, today, I think. Um, it's just come out, so I'd be interested to see this. Um, and this is the first one that's got uh, Rafe Spall in it, who has taken on a role. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks visually, it looks stunning. I must say, from the trailers that I've seen so far, but uh, they, they can make it really adult, right? Uh, try, I'm trying to think of ways to do this without giving too much away. They can make it really adult, and they can make it quite harrowing, or they can make it really sort of magical and childlike and things. And if they can manage to do both, then they'll they'll be representing what the book is. And the book manages to do both. So the challenge really is, is is managing to make it magical and wonderful and child and have that child's vision and, and do all these amazing things and see all these incredible visions, but also have that horrible sort of adult world waiting for him underneath and the brutality of it all underneath. I can't I can't I can't say any more than that. Okay, um, what about your final choice then? Okay, less sort of intriguing um, one this time. This is in the fire. I've actually managed to pick one from each month here. I've only just realised this. This is from January. This is the film I am looking forward to most out of. I've been looking forward to this all year. I've been looking forward to it for a long, long time. Uh, Django Unchained, new Quentin Tarantino film. Um, it's got Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. It's got an all-star cast, and it's basically um, James Fox playing a released slave who has now become a bounty hunter, and he is trying to rescue his wife from a plantation owner um, because uh, uh, someone's bought his freedom and trains him up to be a bounty hunter, and then he goes and tries to track down the guy who's, who's keeping all of his wife. <sighs> I don't. I don't need to explain too much about this, do I? Really? It's got. Oh, it's got Jonah Hill in it as well. I forgot about that. But what, what do I need to say? It's it's got all sorts of great people in it. It's got a great cast. It's the trailer Tarantino. is fantastic, isn't it? The trailer is pure Tarantino. You know, modern, completely an- anachronistic music. Um, so many quotable lines already. Uh, kind of just chucked in the trailer. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio as a southern plantation owner just looks evil personified. He looks fantastic. And I'm really excited to see Christoph Waltz, uh, Christoph Waltz as a, as kind of like the good guy protagonist type thing as well. Yeah. I mean, it just looks, I mean, it's Tarantino's done sort of homages to all sorts of genres, hasn't he really? And this is his Western yeah. uh, homage. And I believe Django is, is a Western from the sixties, which I haven't yeah. seen at all. But I mean, it's, it's taken all the things about, Westerns that, you know, in the same way that you did it with Kill Bill with sort of martial arts and Japanese films, 
Um, Kill Bill Part Two is quite Western as well, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying there. So I'm, I'm really, I, I mean, I like Western, so I'm really interested to see how Tarantino does this. One reservation I have about it is his longtime editor who edited every single one of his films, uh, from Reservoir Dogs to Inglourious Bastards, Sally Menke, has, she died in 2010. Ah. So this is the first film that won't be edited by her. Oh, that is interesting, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if it changes anything, if it, if it you know, if there's a noticeable difference in feel. Um, you know, she has done every single one of his films, and incredibly, she she ended up working with Tarantino. Like the only real big film she'd done before that was Teach Me Ninja Turtles, <laughs> bizarrely, which is quite a step to go yeah. from Ninja Turtles to editing every single yeah. Tarantino film. But that's that's the only thing that's holding me back about it, is maybe there's a possibility that it will not have the same feel and not mm. quite live up to it. But yeah, I'm just so excited about this. It's in post production now. Um, you know, they've finished filming. I, I just can't wait. I'm just counting down the days until January. I mean, as much as there's, there's other films that I'm looking forward to in the coming months, that one is miles ahead of everything else. Can I I'll just want to make a quick uh, confession here. I have never seen a Tarantino film in the cinema. Never. And you call Bad, yourself a film critic. I know. I've seen them all, but I've just never seen one. Uh, at the cinema for one reason or another. So almost I, as I, bad I'm as really almost as bad as uh, Owen not liking Star Wars or whatever the other <laughs> thing is. Seen them. <laughs> well, you know. yeah, I, I mean, I'm sort of in a similar position, but only in the the first one that I was actually um, old enough to go and see in the cinema. Really, was Inglorious Bastards. Uh, uh, youngsters, I think Jackie Brown. I probably could have snuck into. I, pro- I, I think I probably could have got into Death Proof from Grindhouse, but I, c- I couldn't be asked for them at the time. <laughs> so the first one, really, the only one was well, uh, Glorious Bastards. I believe we've got to let you go now, Jerry. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm off to get my beauty sleep. So it's just me and James talking. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, so it's just me and James talking shite for about <laughs> half an hour now. It's nice, probably going to be being about three hours long this podcast. You oh. two just talk to each other like you're in the pub. Award-winning <laughs> stuff. I have got a pint of courage next to me, so I, I can keep going. But yes, good work, Jerry. Yes. We'll see you yes. next time. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> good night. Well, as uh, Jerry's already picked one of mine, I'll carry on with my other two. Go for it. Um, and one of one of which I've been very liberal with on the date. Go on then. Well, you said you said winter uh, films, did. and then you said up until the end of January. Yeah. Well, as far oh. as I'm concerned, Thursday the 13th of February is still the winter. Oh, all right then. What have you picked? A good day to die hard. Oh, you're right. okay. Fair enough. Um, um, the the fifth film in the Die I Hard it's series. That early in the year. That's no. Boring. I was I, I was looking and I and I was going through the list. And yeah. there, and there was, you know, I knew there was some like Django Unchained that you guys would pick, and I knew there was some like The Hobbit which I thought you guys would pick, and I was struggling a bit. I thought I skipped through to February, and I saw A Good Day to Die Hard come out. I thought brilliant. That's I can't leave that out. Um, what else do you need to know? Stars Bruce Willis, obviously. Not much of a plot has been released yet, but basically, he's got his son in it or something. He, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, basically, it looks like it's going to be set in Russia. And John McClane will blow stuff up, shoot stuff, and kill people. 
and say yippee ki motherfucker. That's all you need to know. I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. Um, I'm but what, but, what, what, but as long as we don't, oh, I really hope they don't go for the 12A again mm. like they did for Die Hard 4, though. But, that but, would disappoint me. But what you also need to know is that there's rumours that Patrick Stewart's in it. Oh, I'm doubly there now. Yeah. That's all. Because yeah, do you know what? The best diehard films have got um, British English, villains playing foreigners. British villains playing foreigners. Yeah. So Patrick Stewart doing Russian would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, basically, a good day to die hard. Don't know much about it. Hopefully, don't go for 12A. But either way, it's die hard. I love it. Yeah, and I'll be going yeah. to see it. And it will be one of our main reviews, I'm sure. Oh, I'm <laughs> absolutely certain. On um, yes. Like me and Jerry spoke about earlier, Life of Pi. I've not read the book, like I just said, but it looks like quite an interesting idea and some, you know, it could be a good film. Yeah. And, and they've called a Tiger Richard Parker. I don't really understand oh, no. that. Uh, yeah, Angley's Angley always Angley's films always look good, at least. Hmm. Uh, Brokeback Mountain looked fantastic. Um even the ice storm, which was a very seventies suburban film, still shot beautifully. So it's clearly going to look good. Like, it's just like Jerry says, will it? Will it live mm. up to the book? Because I've not read the book, but I know a lot of people are very, very big fans of I've, the book. So. I've not seen the ice storm. When I was looking for Angley's filmography, mm. I clicked on it. I thought it was going to be some kind of the <laughs> film that you'd usually see on the Sci-Fi Channel at four in the yeah. morning. The kind of stuff no, you put on on Saturday when you get home from the pub, absolutely haven't. I just want to watch telly for a bit, but um, obviously I was wrong. No, it's it's very suburb. It's very um, kind of like indie American film. Actually, uh, it, it's it's a good film. Um, Sigourney Weaver's excellent in it, but uh, yeah, it's very unlike pretty much everything else Ang Lee's done. It's very claustrophobic. Very much people driven. It could well be a play, and in, in fact, it probably is based on a play. I can't remember to be honest. And uh, the final film that I picked in my trio is also pushing the luck on a date a bit, although it's in January, Friday the twenty oh, fifth oh. of January. It's out. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't seem too excited about that. Uh, no, no, I know, I know. I just, just don't know what you're picking here, and you, you've, you've fallen into the same trap that you did last time. It's not. It's it's Lincoln. It's it's um. <laughs> Apparently, surely what, it's going to be even worse if he's not killing vampires. Well, ap- apparently, um, it's set in between his vampire hunting. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. right. So they're, it's they're kind of de- it's kind delving of into that. No, it's, it's kind of what happens on his days day off from um, right from killing the you know the undead. Um, but uh, no, it's got DDL, JGL, TLJ, Daniel Day Lewis, Jordan. TLJ. I'm confused now. I knew the first two. Who's TLJ? <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, ah, oh, yes. Yes, lots of uh, hyphenated surnames there. Yeah, oh, yeah. we're going to have fun that week. Yeah. We'll uh, be going, we'll go an acronym mad. Yeah, it's Not clearly, acronym, it's clearly a massive bid for Oscars mm. for everyone but involved it's, with it's, it. See, it's the one thing where Spielberg lately hasn't done much that's really good. I've not seen War Horse, but I don't, you know. But if he, if he's back to his best, it'll probably be brilliant. If he's mm. at what he's at now, it'll be crap. Yeah, there's but I mean, a but I mean, thought that is apart Schindler's List apart. The more serious he tries to be with his films, the mm. less good they generally are. It's, it's, it's uh, about um, Abraham Lincoln's civil the Civil War victory and abolishment of slavery. Lincoln is you know one of history's most iconic and interesting characters, 
if you could, do, you know, it could hopefully it'll be a really good. Biopic. Daniel Day Lewis is always yeah. engaging to watch, mm. and, and he it, really looks like Lincoln. Mm. Actually, in the yeah. posters that I've seen, he looks scarily like mm. Lincoln. Um, who plays Lincoln's wife in it? There's someone quite good, I think, isn't there? Um, I didn't really see the name of any female leads. I just saw, you know, um, DD. DDL, JGL, TLJ, and <laughs> have you been practicing that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just looking it up quickly because I'm sure there's a really good female person in it as well, but I could be horribly, horribly wrong. I quite often am. Um, no, you're right. Oh, Sally Field. Yeah, Sally Field is very good actually. Um, yeah. Oh, Jared Harris plays Ulysses S. Grant. It's got a really good James Spader's in it. Oh, wow. It, yeah, it could be yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I'm definitely going to go and watch it. And it could well be our review that week. Good choice, Steve. I'd forgotten about that. And what's your choices then? We'll do Owen's okay. last as he's not here. Yeah. My choice. Uh, so my number three choice, because uh, I did mine in numerical order. So uh, it's out in January. Um, got... There's very few details about it. Um, all that we know is that it's based on the book of the making of Psycho. It's called Hitchcock. Um, it's got stars Anthony Hopkins as Hitchcock, Scarlett Johansson as Janet Lee, um, and this is where it gets quite exciting. It's got Michael Wincott, uh, who you may remember as being uh, Guy of Gisborne from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the bad guy from The Crow. He's got that really distinctive-looking face. He plays Ed Gein, who is the real-life murderer that Norman Bates is based on. So that's really interesting. And you're going to love this, Steve. Ralph Macchio is in it. The Karate Kid is in Hitchcock. So um, he's making his big film comeback. Yeah, I know. What's he been in since Karate that. Kid? Yeah, and has, has he done anything since Karate Kid? He's done. He had done mainly American television, that yeah. you know, kind of like I don't know, a guest Hope, appearance General in Hospital, yeah. Police, a, NYPD, whatever. A guest appearance in Saved by the Bell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's directed by Sasha Gervaisi, um, who directed The Terminal, which I didn't think was particularly brilliant. Main reason I'm excited about this is. Um, Anthony Hopkins as Hitchcock is brilliant casting and I love Psycho and apparently the story behind the making of Psycho is a fascinating story anyway. So it's a chance to have a look behind Mm. the scenes at one of the most fascinating eras of Hollywood's golden era. I was going to say because, Um, you know, obviously as great a filmmaker as Hitchcock was, is his um, personal life or his life, interesting enough away from that to sort of make a film around the stories are yeah he was a very intriguing character not hugely well liked um treated his leading ladies terribly uh and that yeah there's the story of the fact that tippy hedron in the birds basically had maniac birds tied to her hands for that scene in the loft uh he didn't really care about their safety and well-being and things like that uh so it's gonna i think it's gonna be really really interesting uh scarlett johansson as janet lee i think is very interesting uh casting as well so yeah it's kind of flown under the radar a little bit and no one's really seen any trailers or there's basically been a poster released for it so 
I'm I'm interested to see how this goes. So I've put this in as a bit of a this is my punt. This is the one that I'm thinking this could this could be really surprisingly good and it should at least be interesting. Um my second choice and I knew no one else would choose this, but I'm so bloody excited about this. It's released in January in the UK. It's released in November in the US. Uh, it is the film version of Les Miserables. Uh, now, unlike the film in the 1990s, which had Liam Neeson and Jeffrey Rush, this is based on the musical, which is based on the book by Victor Hugo, not just based on them. So this is... Are you going to make me sit for a bloody musical? Yeah, and this one's about three hours long as well. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> the, the film, the film, is it going to be three hours long? Uh, it, quite, yeah, it's going to be a good long one. It's probably at least two and a half to two and three quarter hours long. I'm taking, it, I'm taking a game it's boy with me. It's set in um, 19th century France. It tells the story of pr- paroled prisoner Jean Valjean, who assumes a new identity, becomes a successful man. However, a relentless policeman Javert is on his trail. Um, interestingly. Uh, the musical of uh, Les Miserables is adored by uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, uh, who have put numerous references to it throughout their work. Because obviously they like musicals anyway. They do musicals themselves. There's a bit in South, Cut, uh, South Park, uh, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, where they reference Prisoner 24601, which is famously Jean Valjean's prisoner number. They did a whole episode of South Park about the... Um, uh, the school putting on a play and they got in some actor from Broadway and he kept banging on about how he plays Jean Valjean. Um, and or actually um, the big musical number in South Park is based on a musical number in Les Miserables as well. Other interesting things about it though, it's directed by Tom Hooper who did the King's Speech. Looking at the trailer, it looks absolutely epic. It doesn't look, you know how Rock of Ages basically look like they just put a musical on film. They, they put a stage musical on film. They didn't do anything interesting with it. This actually, they've been out, they've been filming in front. It looks huge and epic, massive scale, which it really deserves. Then you've got the cast, and it's a really interesting cast. You've got Hugh Jackman playing Jean Valjean, um, who we know from his Oscars performances can sing and dance with the best of them. Russell Crowe, is going to be singing as Javert. And that is... I, I cannot wait to see Russell Crowe singing. Is he going to be drinking and fighting as well? Um, Javert <laughs> is a bit of a hard hard yeah. bastard as well, yeah. Um, but he stays within the law usually. He's a very religious man um, in, in, in the book, and that's a lot of where his uh, zealousness comes from. Um, Anne Hathaway um, plays uh, a character kind of early on in the story without giving too much away she has a kid and she dies and Valjean has to look after the kid but interesting what's been really interesting to see is they have filmed the actors singing on set so whereas most musicals on film they'll just like go into a recording studio afterwards and do their singing the what they've done here is they've actually just recorded them singing on set and that is what comes through so they're trying to make it more natural in that sense also there's a great comic well hopefully a great comic turn i love the character of um tenardier who is a local bar owner who's also a criminal he's played by sasha baron cohen in this film and his wife is helena bonham carter there are a few more um acronyms we can fit in there as well so that's good so yeah i think it is going to be epic um 
And and who doesn't want to go and see Russell Crowe just break out his heart into song? I'm, I'm assuming so, that they must have auditioned the singing qualities of these characters before they actually sign them up yes. for the role. So, I mean, yes. Russell Crowe must be able to sing. Yeah, well, he, he is a... He was in a band at one point, 30-odd feet of Grunt, if I, if I recall correctly. It's a brilliant band, though. Um, so he, he has sung in a kind of like garage rock band in, in his past. Uh, so he's no stranger to singing in public. Uh, but it's quite interesting because a few people, um, there's a character called Epony, who's a very important character, and a few people were mentioned as being uh, like considered for her part. I think the worst one was Miley Cyrus at one point was considered for the part. Um, but it has actually gone to someone who plays her on the London stage. So they have taken it very seriously. The singing will be very good in this. Um, and and uh, what I do honestly hope is that it, it is good enough to change a lot of people's minds about this kind of musical, because I am not a fan of jukebox musicals like uh, Mamma Mia or Rock of Age and things like that. However, so why did you make us sit through it? Because... Um, <laughs> Because I wanted to punish you. No, I, I honestly can't remember what. I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was fucking dreadful, wasn't it? It was. Uh, but this, except moment, for Tom Cruise, it was a really this, awful film. It was so terrible. But I, I genuinely believe in this film, and I would be surprised if we, if it is a main review, I'd be very surprised if all three of you come back and say you hated it. You might say, actually, I, I still don't really like musicals, but I, I will expect it to look fantastic. And I, I honestly think the story will grab you. Oh, that's probably the only podcast you'll hear Rock of Ages and Les Miserables compared. I hope so, yes. <laughs> uh, apart from maybe when if and when we review it. Um, and my number one choice, uh, now this is out the same day as The Master, and I think it might go a little bit under the radar, but I've actually stuck a fiver on it at 10 to 1 to win the Best Picture Oscar next year. It's Argo, uh, directed and by and starring Ben Affleck, who is really growing into um, a, a real filmmaker of note, actually. Uh, I... I haven't seen Gone Baby Gone, but Jerry was talking about it a couple of weeks ago. Really enjoyed it. I think The Town is a very good film. And clearly Hollywood is starting to warm to him and like him because he was kind of given the uh, the Justice League script to at least look at. Um, so clearly the doesn't studio... He, doesn't, he want to, doesn't he want to star in, in the Justice League if he directs it? Well, he has said, and this was before the Justice League thing came about, he said after the town and when he was filming Argo, he only ever wants to direct films that he's starring, mm. and that's how he sees himself as a director. So he's starring this. Now, the story of Argo is it's based on a true story of a CIA plan to rescue U.S. embassy staff from a Canadian embassy, which is under siege oh, in 1970s around. I nearly picked this. Pardon? I nearly picked this. Did you? Yeah. It looked... And the fact that it's a true story is the, the killer thing for me here. I think it's... um, Yeah, basically what they then decide to do to get these U.S. embassy staff out is create a fake film and actually go through the whole process of writing it um, and filming it in Iran and just to extract these six uh, embassy staff. 
and the fact that this is based on a true story is fantastic. Uh, it's got a great uh, cast. You've got Ben Affleck, Brian Cranston, hopefully, in a good role. Uh, John Goodman, Alan Arkin's in it. Really good, strong cast there. And like I say, I've put a bet on this for the uh, Oscars next year, simply because I think um, I think The Master... I think there'll be too much uh, against it from the Scientology crowd because there are a lot of Scientologists in Hollywood. And they're so mental. That will stop it winning. Um, I think Lincoln may well underwhelm. Uh, and the other one I was thinking of, I can't even remember, so it can't be any good. No, uh, I think Life... Uh, no, there's another film that I think... No, I've forgotten it. But I, I, I think the Academy likes films about Hollywood. Look at The Artist last year. It loves films which show Hollywood in a great light, again, which is what's going on here. So, um, But I also think it's going to be a good film. Uh, Athlete becoming a very talented director, great acting talent, an interesting story. In fact, you'd have to go some to cock this up, basically, and I really hope they don't. Uh, and initial reports from the Toronto International Film Festival, where it was screened recently, uh, said that it was the best film on show at that festival. So... I think this is going to be a very, very good film. And I'm glad it was on your radar as well, Steve. Uh, so what did um, Owen pick as his selection of films? Okay, this is where we, he can't defend himself here, so we can we can uh, pick about at this. Um, first one, surprise, surprise, Owen picks a horror film that I don't think any of us will have heard of. Uh, have you heard of John Dies at the End? No. Okay. Owen tells me um, it's not got a release date yet at the moment, early 2013, which um, it was originally meant to be January 2013. That's why I stuck in. Shown at uh, Sundance Film Festival, and it's about two friends who come across a new drug that allows them to see dimension-hopping monsters that are invading their town. It's directed by Con Carcerelli. Uh, Don Car... Oh, oh, Jesus. Don Coscarelli. Um, he directed Boba Hotep, which I loved, uh, and he also did the Phantasm film series and the Beastmaster films, which Owen, not even Owen has seen, uh, <laughs> so we've got no hope there. Uh, he says it's got all the hallmarks of a cult classic film, um, budget struggles, it's taken, to, it's been in post-production for two years, um, it's got Paul Giamatti in it, but the, um, both lead characters are actually unknowns. And it's blending comedy with really vivid and merciless horror. And it got relatively lukewarm reception on first screenings as well. Uh, so Owen says he hopes it gets released this winter. Um, but yeah, Owen's obviously very excited about that. First I've heard of it. I'm, I mean, I might well wait to see what Owen says about that, to be honest. <laughs> Although I did love Boba Hotep. So I, I, I would take a punt on that if there was nothing else out, I suppose. Um, this one was on my shortlist, actually. Uh, the Man with the Iron Fists, uh, written and directed by RZA from Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, and Eli Roth is involved. And it's um, out in mid-November. It's another Russell Crowe film, actually. out. Uh, Russell Crowe, Lucy Liu, Batista from WWE, who I think I just about remember from my days of watching the wrestling. I think, I think he's a big bastard anyway. Yeah, um, um, that just sounds strange that someone from the Wu-Tang Clan is directing and it's got a wrestler in it. It doesn't sound like a great... Uh... Yeah, although RZA was very heavily involved in a lot of, um, uh, well, certainly the score uh, for Kill Bill uh, Part 1. So I think, and he's got Eli Roth involved. Uh, Owen himself says um, it could be uh, terrible. 
or it could be amazing. He says it's one of those films that could go either way. It could be gloriously shit or just glorious. He says it seems very colourful with lashings of the old ultraviolence. And I have seen the trailer, and the trailer does look kind of very much inspired by Tarantino. It doesn't necessarily look like a Tarantino film, but very much inspired. It does look very stylish. Um, and Owen says he's intrigued about it just on the basis of the trailer being awesome. So um, that's definitely one to look for. And then finally, uh, he said he did, uh, he toyed with choosing a theatrical documentary called Room 237, but he's not sure if it's actually getting a proper release. But it, that looks at the hidden meanings behind Kubrick's film of The Shining. But he's gone for, and I'm glad someone went for this actually, The Last Stand, uh, released in January. And it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's first return to the screen as a lead character since Terminator 3. Um, he says another one that could be good or could be bad. Arnie plays the sheriff of a town on the Mexican border and has to stop a drug cartel. Uh, and I'll just read Owen's words here. The reason I'm not sure about it is because, let's face it, Arnie is getting on a bit now. It's kind of hard to believe he'll be kicking ass at his age. But he's inspired by the fact that it's directed by Ji Woon Kim, who is the guy that did the Korean film Owen talked about on here a few months ago called I Saw the Devil. Uh, and then he finishes, in a weird sort of way, I'm looking forward to seeing Arnie back on screen and think playing an experienced, tired old cop might be a decent role for him. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Reminds me a little bit, although obviously this is a bit uh, more action-orientated, but when Stallone did that fantastic turn in Copland, um, which really showed that God had forgotten Stallone could act. He was really, really good in Copland. And I think for Arnie, this could be something similar here. He is playing an old, basically waiting for retirement copper who has to make a stand. And I'm hoping he doesn't just like... Um, pick them up by the necks and crush them and stuff like that. I'm hoping he's he's vulnerable uh, and prone to injury and things like that. It the trailer does look a bit cheesy, but you can't really tell which trailer. Have you seen the trailer for this one, Steve? No. Are you sure? Um, there's also because it's out uh, about a month or uh, no, about a week away from a, a new Stallone film, Bullet in the Head, as well. Um, Stallone actually looking quite good for his age compared to Arnie. Uh, politics must have taking its toll on him, poor fella. But yeah, that, that's Owen's ones that he's looking forward to as well. So I think, plus, like you say, we've got um, The Hobbit coming out. Um, there's a few other films as well uh, that are big films that we've actually completely forgotten about there. So, uh, And I did see a terrible-looking trailer for um, Nativity 2 starring... David Tennant as well. That'll be out oh. on top of Christmas. And it actually said um, this all proceeds to children in need. They they're actually making charity films now, which yeah. You know, if if the record of charity records is anything to go by, I cannot see that being any good at all. But yeah, yeah who knows? Who knows? Indeed. Who knows? What is next week's triple bill? Next week's triple bill is um, a bit uninspired, but sod it, I'm going. Um, it, our favourite films of the 80s. Quite early on in this podcast, we did our favourite films of the 70s. Favourite films of the 80s, I think there'll be uh, people will be struggling a lot more to get that down to just three films. So we should be talking about some absolutely fucking excellent films here. All my films will probably come within the same genre, though. Yeah. But... Which other than Empire Strikes Back, which I'm. I'm going to do mine without doing Empire Strikes Back, actually make it harder. Uh, that's good of you, yeah. Um, but yeah, they'll probably be all films like The Goonies. 
nice kind of yeah. um ambling entertainment yeah. uh family family yeah. adventure type films yeah yeah no that's nice do you want to tell the listeners where they can find the website and the twitter and everything again yes. Yeah, okay, so you can find not only the podcast, but some uh, some great articles from some really interesting writers that are working for us at the moment. I say working for us, obviously, they do it for free and for the love, uh, but that's at failedcritics.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritic, and you can find us on Twitter at at failedcritics. Excellent. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank uh, everyone who's listened and continues to listen to us downloading us each week I'd like to thank james jerry and owen even though he wasn't here he made a contribution and kevin mcleod of incompetech.com for the music It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.